When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Arsenal cruised back into the Champions League after a six-year absence on Tuesday night. David Raya looked like he'd been playing in the competition for years. Will Mikel Arteta really rotate his goalkeeper? And I have few regrets for what I've done. One of them, it was that in two occasions, I felt after 60 minutes and I had 85 minutes in two games in this period to change the keeper in that moment. And I didn't do it. I didn't have the courage to do it. And is it such a crazy idea? Meanwhile in Munich, Andrea Onana was in the spotlight for all the wrong reasons. Sane faced by a couple. Kane. Sane with a chance to shoot. Oh, it's gone under the goalkeeper. It's a terrible mistake by Onana. I'll be asking two former keepers, how do you bounce back from those big mistakes? I'm Ayoa Kimolere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm able to take a winger or a striker and put a centre defender back and go to a back five to hold that result. And we draw those games and I was so unhappy. And someone is going to do it. And maybe it's... Uh, that's strange. Why? Why not? Tell me why not. Okay, so here with us to get stuck into this one, we have the Athletics Arsenal writer Jordan Campbell, as well as former Liverpool keeper Chris Kirkland, and also our women's football editor and former Arsenal and Tottenham goalkeeper Chloe Morgan, who have all joined us for this big chat on the goalkeepers' union, David Raya versus Ramsdale. Right, let's get into this. Start with you on this one, Jordan. Arsenal bought David Raya, and I think it raised a few eyebrows in, in many respects, and also a player they've been pursuing for a while. But also, let's not forget, Aaron Ramsdale signs a contract in May with a wage increase, making it feel as if this is Arsenal's number one keeper. I mean, what is Arteta playing at right here? Well, yeah, that, that, that's a question for him. But, um, you know, I think when he signed that contract, the, the idea was that he'd signed Martinelli, Saka, uh, Saliba, Gabriel. The, the whole spine of that team was set for the next few years. And I think what... What uh, Ramsdale had done the last last couple of years, it, it probably exceeded people's expectations of him. Um, two relegations, there was a few raised eyebrows when he came in, but he soon displaced Leno um, in the starting lineup. And you know, I think he had some big saves last year. You know, got himself an England squad. There's now, you know, was thought to be challenging Pickford for the, the number one jersey. So I think when Arteta went into the market this summer, I think it did catch people by surprise because it just felt like that was one area that they had sorted and that. Ramsdale would go along until you know maybe he's formed it or it became like a pressing matter to upgrade again but you know as soon as Raya came in <laughs> I think it was always a question of when not if we were going to be having this conversation because when you go and sign a goalkeeper as, as good as him uh, on a, a loan to buy which everyone sort of knows that it's basically going to become permanent I think you you don't do that unless the plan is to play him so I think starting them at Everton that was 
a surprise, but he done, you know, he done well, didn't have a lot to do. But then I thought, I think most people assumed that it would rotate back to Ramsdale, having been the man who helped Arsenal get back into the Champions League. But no, that's two games in a row. And I don't think it would be a surprise now if he does stick with Raya at the weekend. If that happens, then a lot of questions are being asked about his his whole rotation idea because <laughs> then there's not been much rotation for Ramsdale this week. So I guess that's the the sticking point is how does a manager really address if he does fancy Raya as his number one, how does he do that without upsetting Ramsdale? So there might be a bit of politics at play here and you know, a bit of sticking plaster until until uh, it's sorted. But Raya's been been great since he came in. Yeah, Chloe and Chris, I want to talk to you a little later on about sort of mindsets of goalkeepers, especially in a, quite a random situation like this. But Chloe, quickly on this one, and just to pick up on what Jordan just said, were you surprised to see David Raya on the starting sheet for yesterday's Champions League game, considering Aaron Ramsdale has basically contributed to Arsenal getting the, the, the finish which took him into the, the, the Champions League finally after so long? I think, um, like you said, it can be. I think the position of goalkeeper is such a psychological and emotional one. I think, um, obviously, in the training sessions, you're kind of put through resilience. You're there's there's more kind of care taken in terms of you know how decisions are made. Like you have those discussions with your goalkeeper coach. The goalkeeper coach then feed into the manager about you know how they're training, how they're doing, where they're mentally at, how their preparation has been. So, I think um, that there is something sort of quite unique about the situation at, at Arsenal in the sense of obviously having this rotational system, but it does essentially keep both goalkeepers on their toes they don't know week to week really who's going to be starting and I think that's such a unique thing to do because I, th- I think there can be an element of complacency that sometimes creeps into you know the number one position that you know week in week out you're going to start but yeah I've got to agree I, you know if I was Ramsdale I'd be I'd be feeling pretty um pretty beefed off I think uh, if I put it politely <laughs> uh, about that situation but at the same time now it's um you know you've got that competitive nature with, with both of them and he obviously will get opportunities either to start very shortly or to start in some of the um the games coming up so you know all is not lost it's not a seat you know we're, we're still at the start the start of the season yeah I don't know Chris uh I think yes Chloe for sure all is not lost but I don't know man like if if if, if you've just signed a deal in May and you think you're number one and then you know the biggest stage really in, in European football is the Champions League and you're not the first you're not the one starting the first game for your team you it's got to be a bit tricky for you surely mentally well look listen it's favourite how it is. The writing's on the wall, for, you know, for Aaron. At the end of the day, people can have their say, but the only one that matters is Mikel Arteta. And he feels the need to go and get somebody else in. He's brought that person in. They're always going to start eventually, no matter what Aaron did. To, you know, even if he kept five clean sheets on the spin, I think, you know, once you make that decision to bring another goalkeeper in, you are going to go and put him in at some point. And that point is sooner rather than later. You look at all the successful teams over the years, they're built on stability at the back. They're built on goalkeepers. Peter Schmeichel, Manu, he didn't rotate. David Seaman, Arsenal, he didn't rotate. Peter Cech, Chelsea, they don't rate. You don't have two number ones. It's very difficult. As a goalkeeper, it's not as though you can come in and out of the team like an outfielder can. If the outfielder's not started for four or five games, he can have a few touches. He can get away with a few bad touches. He can build into the game because he knows he's going to, you know, have a lot more action than a goalkeeper. A goalkeeper can be out of the team for five games, all right, and rotating you coming in, and his first action he could make a mistake because his eyes not in. It's totally different for a goalkeeper than it is for an outfielder. Totally, totally different, and that's why you need to get in that run. You need to get that routine. You need to get that structure as a goalkeeper confidence. And when you're in and out of the team, you've got to be one hundred percent on it. If you're not and you let a mistake in, which because listen, that's you're not match fit. You talk about training, you can do all the training in the world, but being match fit, even for a goalkeeper, it's that concentration, 
It's that ready, being ready. And you can only do that as a goalkeeper by playing week in, week out. So for me, it was always going to happen. Whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter what we think. He's a manager at the end of the day. But I'm sure, listen, if, if it carries on and David Ray is going to play, which I think he obviously is going to do, then there'll be a lot of suitors, I would have thought, come January for Aaron. Well, Jordan, you, you've, you've sat in on a lot of these press conferences with Mikel Arteta and it's definitely gone one of those questions that will keep coming back <laughs> through the season. You know, if it works, it's a stroke of genius. If it doesn't, then journalists will be on his back. I mean, from what you've seen from talking to Mikel, and I'm also very aware that, you know, we, we've got a new way of a new wave of managers who are trying to do things different, perhaps introducing Introduce things into the game that we've never seen before. I mean, it all feels like experimentation to a certain degree. Do you believe him when he says, you know what, there were moments last season when I thought, oh, 80 odd minutes or whatever, I, w- I would have loved to bring a goalkeeper on and I just didn't do it, you know? And this is why I can justify having two competitive keepers, uh, you know, uh, in my team. Uh, well, I mean, if I believed them, then my question would be, why, why did they not do it? Well, because there's a reason no one's done it before. Because that you just kill somebody if you do that, you know. They kill their confidence, you embarrass them publicly. You know, I think it was Cy Hughes' piece said it's humiliation to put the power of ten because it is the goalkeeper's got a, a different spotlight on them. So yeah, I, I thought it was like he actually went a step further than just the question was about rotating, and he went took it a step further at Everton and went, well, I might actually rotate them during the game, which I thought made it actually. A little bit even more contentious. Um, but I think, yeah, Arsenal is sort of like, how much into already there was a sort of gauging the interest of the media? Like, so like, you guys quite interested in, in this story then? <laughs> like, how long do you think this interest in him? Like, the interest will last until David Raya is known as the number one. I think that's what it'll be until David Raya's played five, six, seven games in a row when it becomes clear, even if Arteta doesn't say it, that he is the number one. I keep seeing people saying this is like his Joe Hart moment. But then I think the, the difficulty for some to understand that comparison is that Joe Hart couldn't really play with the ball at his feet for what Guardiola wants to do. Whereas Ramsdale and, and Raya, like their skill set the skill sets overlap quite quite a lot. I was struck by the fact that Ram Raya is not like a six foot five, six foot six goalkeeper where you go right against Everton against some of the teams who want to bombard the box with crosses, he might suit that game. Or he's re- like far better with his feet than Ramsdale. I think he's probably slightly more polished with his feet. He's a bit calmer on the ball. And I think that's probably one of the big things. And I think he probably is a little bit better at coming off his line, a bit more aggressive. But there's, they're not like stylistically polar opposite. So I think that's the thing that maybe makes it feel a little bit harsher and harder to believe that there is going to be a Ramsdale suits this game, Raya suits that game, because they are very much a similar type of goalkeeper. Um, I don't know what the... The, the two goalkeepers think I'm a non-goalkeeper here, but that's my perception of it, is that there doesn't seem a big difference to justify a rotation. Well, that's the thing. Well, Jordan, I'm going to do something uncharacteristic and I know you've got to get off, so I'm going to have to kick you off the pod now at <laughs> like five minutes in. You know, I'm just trying new things here, you know, let's keep it fresh. Yeah, it. But I really appreciate off. your time. <laughs> I'm going to rotate I'm the Rams, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have the two keepers and we'll talk about it, but appreciate your time, sir. Nice one. Thanks for joining us. Hi everyone, David Ornstein here, and I want to tell you about The Athletic's new bite-sized podcast, The Daily Football Briefing. If you're one of those people who are just too busy for a regular-length podcast in the morning, this is right up your street. In just over 10 minutes, we'll bring you bang up to date with the biggest stories in football, 
all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. It'll be Matt Slater on a club's ongoing takeover saga, our club experts reflecting on big overnight matches, and let's be honest, me explaining those transfer stories that just won't go away. That's the Daily Football Briefing, every weekday morning, available wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. I saw Arsenal um, put out on their socials so that's a wonderful picture of Raya and Ramsdale hugging each other. And I'm thinking, come on, man, are you kidding me? I, I don't know if I quite believe that. And you cut to, you know, uh, in the Community Shield where Aaron Ramsdale you know, after Arsenal win that game, runs, makes a beeline for Matt Turner because there's there's this clearly a, this wonderful, beautiful bond there. But it's easy to have a bond there with someone you know is probably not as great as you as opposed to someone who you know is direct competition. I'm just thinking human psychology here, Chloe. I, I mean, they are quite close in ability. So the deeper feeling, as Chris has alluded, is, you know what, this guy's coming to take my place. Can that be quite damaging on a mental scale for, for someone like Aaron Ramsdale? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, everyone's human, uh, regardless of how professional you are, how many, you know, sessions with your goalkeeper coach you might have, how many psychological um, sessions you might have with, with the club psychologist or, or, you know, discussions with the manager. Deep down, you're probably going to go home and you're going to be absolutely fuming that you're not number one. It's your ego. It's battered and bruised. And especially where you thought that that was going to be your position, I think it hurts probably a little bit more. But I think it just depends on how the manager and how the goalkeeper coach have managed those discussions about who was going to be chosen. I think a lot of it is to do with timing you know giving them time adequate time before those you know before the sheet is known before the team know who's going to be selected to kind of give them that time to reflect to vent sometimes to you know get it off their chest to take a moment to and also to explain why that decision has been taken because I think that's sometimes really helpful for, for example you know if you're facing an opposition where you know playing out from the back they, they're they're heavy pressers they they will press and press and press for the first 15-20 minutes uh, you know that you're going to be absolutely against the cost you, you probably want someone who's you know going to be better with their feet who's calm under pressure who can distribute into the channels a little bit better someone and I'm not saying Raya or, or Ramsdale either one is better at that but there is sometimes I think justifications for why keepers are chosen I think if if you know if Ramsdale is having that discussion I think it just makes it easier to kind of it softens the blow definitely softens the blow but I think in terms of the rivalry between them I think for me obviously I've been in a position where I've been first keeper and then I've been second choice keeper being a second choice keeper is incredibly tough, but I think the the beef that you have is always with the decision maker. It can't be with the first keeper. It, it can't. It's not their decision. They haven't done anything wrong. It's always with the person who's obviously taken that call. So I think I'd like to say, you know, the, the goalkeeper union is so small. And you know, what you want to foster, create, and maintain a good relationship because you are, you know, if you if you've got beef with the other keeper, you have to work with them, you know, five six days a week, and then see and like very in a very small group. So you know, it it, it makes sense already to kind of have that and you never know when you're going to have that opportunity and you definitely want them to have your back when your opportunity comes up so I think if you think about it from a rational stance it's you know you, you try and sort of maintain a, a, a feeling of goodwill towards your keeper whether you're first or second but you know deep down you're probably a little bit fuming. Well Chris you were in the unique position where you came into the squad at the same time as Jersey Dudek and, and you knew you'd be the number two keeper how did you deal with that? Yeah so Gerard says, look, signing you both on the same day, Jersey's going to be number one, you're going to be number two, you're still young, come in and learn from Jersey. Jersey was unbelievable with us, amazing from day one, we used to room together. He said, learn off the players, 
get fit up because I needed to get fit up. And he said, when, you, when you're right and when your chance comes up, you'll play. And he was true to his word. It's just, unfortunately, every time I got in at Liverpool, I, I got serious injuries. But I knew the situation. But you, your question is, if I was there as number one and he bring and he bought Jersey in, I would be thinking straight away, my place is under real threat. My place is under massive jeopardy. Why, why has he bought this keeper in? It's not like outfield. You know, if somebody comes in your position, well, you might be able to play somewhere else in a different position because you've got to be adaptable on the pitch. Obviously, players can play four, five, six positions these days. So... There's more options. But as a goalkeeper, if you're number one, and I did it at Sheffield Wednesday as well. So when I was at Sheffield Wednesday, I was number one for, for two years, played every single game for two seasons. And the manager brought Kieran Westwood in and I knew that he was going to play. The manager didn't say it. He says, well, I'm bringing him in to, for competition and stuff like that. But I knew that he was going to play. No matter what I did in training or you know, even if I started the first game, eventually that goalkeeper was going to, was going to play. And, it, and I think that's what, what we're seeing now at Arsenal and what we're what we probably are going to see. But like I said, we can say all the things we like. It's Mikel Arteta that knows what plan he's got and whether he reveals it to the truest. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll soon find out. Yeah, Chloe, let, let's let's flip this around and, and let's indulge this this madness, right? I was watching a clip with Thierry Henry recently and he, he spoke about when Dennis Burkamp was at the club and, you know, he was like, how can I, how do I dislodge Dennis Burkamp from... The, the starting lineup, you know, he's won everything, you know, player of the season, all this kind of stuff. Everyone knows what Dennis Burkamp can do. So he goes back and he's like, I have to be better than him at everything, everything from like, if he scores two goals, I'm going to score two goals in training. Can this be a catalyst to Ramsdale raising his game to, to another level? If he is serious about England's being England's number one, if he's serious about being Arsenal's number one, yes, if it's fair, there is direct competition a player is as good as you might say slightly better or roughly even if you want to be that guy the chance is there for you to take it here you go mate let's go I think it depends on what kind of conversations they've had with the goalkeeper coach and with Arteta it could be already those conversations are kind of taking place about Rea being the number one and you know despite whatever Ramsdale doing he might just come in for the sort of you know the cup competitions later on down the line but I think, you know, Ramsdale is it's that competitive mentality. I think we're goalkeepers. We're all a bit weird anyway, but we're definitely <laughs> very competitive. Um, and I think he'll obviously want to put himself in the best possible position for, you know, England's selection um, and to maintain, you know, his sense of value and worth. It is a, it's a you know, it's a, it's a deep position. We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of feelings. So I think for, for me, I think, you know, if I was in that position, I have been in that position a number of times where I'm second keeper, I'm not too far off the first keeper. But I think you can, if you're really honest with yourself, you probably can see that there are, you know, some things that the first keeper is doing that you're maybe not there or maybe parts of your game are slightly different. But it can absolutely act as a catalyst for raising your game, taking it to that next gear. You might have got complacent a little bit and not even realised it. But as soon as someone, you know, it's like I think if you've got two cookies on the side and you've got, you know, one person takes cookie all of a sudden you've not touched that cookie all day all of a sudden you want one of those cookies it's like it's like that as soon as you feel like you're under threat or your position is you know not guaranteed you can step it up there's there's only two ways to deal with this approach and it's either yeah 100% you step it up or two it demotivates you and you look elsewhere for other opportunities so I think Arteta is—he's got to keep it. He's got to keep it competitive. If he's going to do that, he needs to make sure that Ramsdale is engaged in the competition and not just a sense of, well, no matter what I do, you know, you're never going to play me because that just leads to a downward spiral as well. So, at this level, you've got to be professional. You've got to, you've got to stay competitive because otherwise, the, you know, you're not going to perform well. You're not going to show yourself show yourself in the best light. So you kind of shoot yourself in the in the foot by, you know, approaching it in a in a demotivated way. So, good luck, Ramsdale. Come on. 
I'll just <laughs> I'll just add to what Chloe was just saying there. When we don't know we don't know what conversations have been had. We don't know when he was told, or obviously it's been it's been speculation for a while that they were going to go for David Raya. But listen, he will be absolutely devastated when he found out that Raya they were going to sign Raya or they wanted to sign Raya. He would have been devastated. He'd been angry. He'd have been hurt. He'd be fuming. Or there'd be all sorts of emotions going through your head because it's the one position I keep saying it that you know you're in trouble. If you're at that club and they're bringing somebody else in in your position, you know you're in trouble. So he would be, no matter what people say, oh, you've got to train harder. He knows that. He's going to do that. He's not just going to down tools. He's going to train harder. He's going to try and do everything he can. But he will be hurting inside, let me tell you, because I've had it done to me. And it, you think about it 24-7. And no matter what you do sometimes, no matter if you're in there 7 o'clock in the morning until 7 o'clock at night, training as hard as you ever have done, Four times that some things just won't change, and you cannot affect some things. And I think, unfortunately, uh, this might be one of those things. So he's just got to. He'll be respectful. He'll do all the training. He'll support him, and he will support him. By the way, you asked that question earlier on. You know, he will support the goalkeeper that's playing. But he knows the only way he's going to get back in is is if the goalkeeper gets injured or he has a bad run of form. And and that's that's just being realistic. Um, but he will be supportive. But he will be devastated inside. Yeah, I mean, Chris. It- isn't isn't this sort of the the, the fickleness and I guess the, the the darker side of 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 the game really in terms of you know if a manager's got an idea of what they want you might have been that idea last season this season they want to go another bit further and perhaps you might not just have that extra ingredient that they might be looking for and how do you deal with that to, uh, as a player how have you ever dealt with that in your career as a, as a goalkeeper when you know you know someone's come in and you've gone do you know what this might not be my my chance this season to be number one it's um listen i've had it i've i was at wigan for number one for four years and then roberto martinez bought ali Absin. and as soon as he did i knew what was, i knew the writing was on the wall you, you do once a manager has made that decision and once he brings somebody else in in your position, he's bringing that person in for a reason. And and the goalkeeper is completely different. I know that Arteta's saying he's going to rotate and stuff like that, but you ask both them keepers if they want to rotate and they'll both say no. Because it's the one position you can't ease into it. You can't just, oh, well, I'm not playing. Like I said before, it's 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 almost impossible. Will it work? I, I very much doubt it. I don't think it will. And them keepers won't want to do it. They want to play. They want to be a clear understanding on who the number one is and who the number two is. And for me, I think it's pretty obvious what Arteta is going to, which route is going to go down. Yeah, I'm also very aware that, you know, money in, in, in women's football versus men's football, very, very different in, in terms of that infrastructure. I mean, I can just almost think about Mary Earps at Manchester United, you know, trying to get a deal. United are trying to keep the the, top, the hottest keeper in town and, you know, the, the, the world's her oyster fundamentally, Chloe. But back to sort of, Aaron Ramsdale, let's look at this. You know, last season, PFA team of the year, potentially in the conversation about the, the England setup, the harder thing here potentially to take individ- as an individual is that you're actually not doing anything that badly. Yet you sort of, as Chris says, you sort of feel the writings on the wall. That is so tough to try and translate to someone just sitting here. And I guess, or do you have to think of yourself as a player, uh, as part of a bigger business, or 
you know, does personality or, you know, personal feelings doesn't even come into this? I mean, I think for anyone at the club, I mean, not just the goalkeeping position, but obviously, you know, players will rotate, players will change, uh, players will leave. I mean, especially in the women's game, obviously the contracts are a lot shorter. So, you know, in terms of loyalty and things, like you could only be signed a one-year contract, maybe a two-year with a sort of option uh, that the club exercise. So they totally dictate your future. Um, so I think, I don't know, in the women's game, you definitely get used to a sense of, you know, at any point, I suppose you could be, you know, replaced or you could fall out of favour. Um, and I think that is just the nature of football. I mean, like Chris was saying, I mean, loyalty is so hard to come by. And to a certain extent, I suppose I do understand the position. It is a business. Essentially, football is a conveyor belt. You might come into the game as a younger player, 18, 19 years old. And by the end of it, if you've had a good career and you've, you know, avoided all those big injuries, you sort of maybe come out the back end, you know, 30, 35. But, you know, the game moves on, technology moves on, information moves on, data moves on, you know, sports science, nutrition, all those things so you know when you're getting when you've been in the in the professional game I suppose five six years what you know and how good you are is completely different now to the 19 year olds who already have all this thing all these things that you know weren't available when you were so they're already at a higher starting at a higher level so I think it's a lot of um it's a lot of ego just trying to um to manage your own ego I think and just appreciate that the game has to evolve and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're sort of doing anything wrong or but sometimes you probably will hit a peak I mean I wouldn't say that Ramsdale has, has hit his peak. I think you probably, as a goalkeeper, hit your peak a lot later on in your career. You're probably looking at about, I don't know, maybe 30 plus, um, 32, 35, because you have to have lived all those different game scenarios and you build up a bank of knowledge about, you know, how to deal with one-on-one situations, what kind of communication you need, dealing with certain types of set pieces. And you keep sort of building to that catalogue of things that you have to deal with and adapt to in a game. So, and I think also there's a, a position there for, you know, more senior keepers to be helping the development of younger keepers too as well. And also just like like I said before, you want to maintain that sort of good sense of there being a, a decent goalkeeper union. So, do you know, it's a bloody tough position. Um, I'm very grateful to be retired is the, is the overarching <laughs> theme in this. <laughs> the more I talk about it, the more it makes me feel like I've made the right call. <laughs> this is nice. You can, you can let us have everything now. Just let it, it's like therapy. I love it. It is. It's very cathartic, this podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolev. Elsewhere in the Champions League last night, the attention wasn't just on goalkeepers at the Emirates. Following Andre Onana's error that put Bayern Munich ahead in their 4-3 win over Manchester United. Post-match, the United keeper faced up, conducting a series of interviews, taking full responsibility. To be honest, I have to, I have to look back what, what happened on and um, of course... Mistake is part of life of goalkeepers, but um, I'm happy for the effort of the team because uh, we worked hard today. It was not easy game, and while I have to, um, I have to assume the responsibility now. I think we lost this game because of me, and the goal, uh, the mistake I make, the goal we concede <sighs> came in bad moment. No? I think we were in that time we were in control of the game, and after that that goal we we fall down. Because of that, it's not easy situation, but it's time to um, to accept the, and be responsible for everything. We are big men, not easy situation. Work hard and keep believing because we are Manchester United, and uh, we have to be able to go everywhere try to to do our best. Of course, things should happen in life, but uh, yeah, I think uh, we that mistake cost us the victories because of me. We didn't we didn't win today. 
Yeah, I mean, respect to him for coming forward in many respects. Chris, you know, I just think goalkeepers are in such a, a unique position. There's only one of you on the field fundamentally, but also, you know, the French word for goalkeepers, gardien, right? So you're, you're, you're the one who might not have much to do in a game. And then in a split second, you're expected to pull off incredible saves or, or, or stop the opposition from scoring. He steps up, takes a responsibility there. Do you respect that as a goalkeeper? Yeah, this has been a tough start for a minute. But I think when you're going to Manchester United, you know, whoever went there after Peter Schmeichel would be compared to Peter Schmeichel. David De Gea was there, what, 10, 12 years. I know the last couple of years didn't go to plan, but people will be comparing the next keeper to them. Peter Cech, I don't think Chelsea have ever replaced Peter Cech. So there's certain places you go, certain clubs where the pressure's on before you even play your first game. And if you don't hit the ground running, which he's not done, he's openly admitted that it's been a tough start to his Man United career. David De Gea had the same thing, though. If people remember, when he went to Man United the first couple of years, people were saying, what's going on here? He's not good enough. And then all of a sudden, he wins player of the season in the next five, six years. So, listen, you can't write him off. It has been a tough start. He'll know what he needs to do. Coming to a different league, I've always said it. If I went abroad and played in a different league, it takes time to settle. It's not just the football. It's everything. It's off the pitch. It's your life. I don't know what his family situation is, but it is not easy moving country. And particularly coming to play in the best league in the world with the biggest spotlight in the world in the Premier League. So he's still young. He's got to learn. He's got to learn fast because like we've just seen, like we've seen at Arsenal, they've kind of got another keeper in and Ramsdale's done absolutely nothing wrong. So he's got to learn. He's got to look over his game. His goalie coach is going to be huge now. So they're going to have to go over things right. what, what we're going to need to do. What do we need to work on? What do we not need to work on? So it's going to be, a, you know, the next few weeks, the next few games, he's going to be under enormous spotlight. Uh, and he's got to deal with it. It's simple as that. You've got to deal with it. He's got to block everything else out, not listen to the social media, not listen to his idiots talking about things or trying to make sense of things. He's just got to focus purely on the training ground with his teammates, with his coaches and focus on the next game. And don't go looking for things. Sometimes when you when you think, I need to have a good game here, I need to have a good game, I've not had a good game, I need to have a good game, you can start going looking for things. And when you start going looking for things as a keeper, that can bring more more issues on. So he's just got to go back to basics, deal with things that come his way, and he's got to rely, let's say, the goalie coach and his teammates and the club now have got a big responsibility to, to build him back up. Yeah, Chloe, it's, it's really fascinating when, when we always talk about the humanity of football players. And in terms of, he had a great spell at Ajax, obviously he had a bit of layoff because of a, a, a doping situation and then came back into playing in Italy, had a fantastic season um, with, with Inter Milan, now at Manchester United, uh, a very much bigger club, some people might say. Is this just yet again an indication that we are all human, there are chinks in the armour, but can you get away with having chinks in your armour in one of the most competitive leagues, or the most competitive leagues, some people might say, in, in Europe, playing at the most competitive level uh, of European football as well? Liz, I think you can do everything you can. You can train as hard as you can. You can, you know, put in the hours with analysis. You can do your strength and conditioning. You can eat the right foods. You can get your mental prep in. You can do everything to try and minimise the errors that you make. But you cannot annihilate errors because, I mean, if it, the goalkeeper always gets, it always gets such hard graft when a mistake is made. But when you look at you know, the chances that don't take place at the, you know, the top end of the field, when, you know, strikers don't 
um, you know, miss those absolute sitters, when midfielders don't go in for those challenges or, you know, lose their aerial battles. Those are all individual losses. They're not as critical as obviously critical and obvious as the goalkeeping errors, but er errors are made every single day by every single player, every single game. But it's only the goalkeeping ones that ever get the sort of... um, the big, the big focus. Um, so I think um, you know you can't. It's it, it's difficult when you've got a situation that you know this is a, such a critical, it's such a significant game uh, for United to bounce back from this. Like Chris was saying, is a very tough job um, because the focus there's going to be so much hyper focus on you now, even though there you know there was already quite a lot of focus before. Um, and the only thing you can do is to sort of recuperate, appreciate the mistakes are, you know, a one-off occurrence, not to dwell on it, not to think that, you know, the next time that happens, um, you know, the same result is going to take place. And, you know, for goalkeepers, the next day after a game like that, where it hasn't gone to plan, and not just big errors, but things that you, you know, you you made, your pass completion rate wasn't great, or your aerial, you know, going up and claiming the balls or dealing with set pieces, you think you were slightly off in some respect. The next day, you're going to go into the training grounds, do your recovery, speak to your goalkeeper coach and go over clips of that footage and kind of hyperanalyze frame, frame by frame what, what it particularly was that went wrong. And I think, you know, good goalkeeper coaches will probably then, you know, maybe spend a little bit of a session in the week sort of working on, you know, going back over that that particular movement. So for Anana, sort of, I was going, you know, back over the, the clip and trying to see what had, what had gone wrong because it's a quite a simple it's sort of a you know pretty fairly textbook dive. It's not sort of in the corners. It's not you know on the on you know an aerial thing. It's um it's a fairly you know low hard driven shot, but it's not anything that should cause it much difficulty. And it and it just looks like something as simple as his, his elbows hit the ground before his arm has sort of reached out and taken the shot. And it's quite close to his body. And I think it's he knows that that's not the right thing to have done. But he's a human, and you know, for all the will in the world, those kind of things are going to take place. So the best thing is to just to, to write it off as a mistake and, and go again and. Um, yeah, focus on it absolutely, one hundred percent. Just to get yourself in the right mind frame of that not happening. But yeah, give us all a break. All right, it's, it's a tough job. Okay, <laughs> Chris, is 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 Onana in a, it's a slightly different situation to we were just talking about Ramsdale or Raya conversation in the fact that. I mean, Manchester United financial constraints as well involved. They're probably not in the look for a new keeper immediately, right? You know, it could probably have a bit more time to find his feet there because they've got other pressing problems in other positions in the field. Look, it, I've been through it. Every keeper has. You go through spells where you're playing bad, you're letting goals in. And the only way to get through that is you play through it. You train, you train harder, you block other things out. But it, it, listen, it's on your mind all the time. You know you've made that mistake. You know you've played bad at the weekend. You know you've got another game coming up soon. You cannot escape it. It's almost impossible not to think, my word, what did I do there? What did I Why did I do that for? Some things are just unexplainable. Some things just happen and you think after, when you look back, you think, what am I doing? What was I doing there? I saved them shots a million times a day in training and it's just that one. So it's very unforgiving. We know that by now. Nothing will ever change. People will always get peppered from every angle. They'll always get hammered by pundits saying they should have done better. Yes, listen, do you not think they know they should do better? Do you think they want to make mistakes? Nobody wants to make mistakes, but all he's, he's got to knuckle down. He's got to block everything else out. You know, I'm sure Man United will be shielding him from all the interviews. It's great that he wanted to do that one because I'm sure he felt right. I need to say something. Need to get it out there. Need to apologise or own up to it so I can focus now on the next few days, training hard, keeping quiet, keeping out the press and football, you know, one game to the next is is a different world in football. And if he comes at the weekend and saves a penalty, man of the match, clean sheet, all of a sudden he can he can forget about that. Well, you never forget, but you, you move on. 
All right, fantastic. Chloe and Chris and Jordan, obviously, from previously, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic today uh, for a special limited time of just £1 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic football podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places and head to theathletic.com slash football pod for the very latest subscription offers. The Athletic Football Podcast is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.